This is WAND In-Depth. This podcast contains strong language, mature content. If you're listening with children, be warned. Most of us have just dealt with what they call SIDS, you know, where a child just unexplained died. This was clearly, you know, a situation that could have been prevented. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it sticks with you. I'm Karen Iser. This is Lost Innocence, the Tanisha Barnes story. What is your name? Oh, I'm the baby. Can you have to in the Developing still tonight, a two-year-old girl dies cold, filthy, and hungry. Now, her mother is behind bars. How can anyone do anything like that to a human being that alone your own? It's just, it's just crazy. Sir, listen to me. I need you to listen carefully, okay? I'm fine, man, but you have to understand, this is business like, we don't I, know. I understand they've got to help on the way, but I'm going to Two-year-old Tanasia Barnes found cold and starved in her Decatur home. She was pronounced dead later that morning at the hospital. Yeah, Sean and Dawn investigators say the child was left in a bare, filthy room with no heat, toys out of reach, and no way to leave. This is episode two, The House of Horror. A white two-story home on the east side of the city. It sits right off of a busy Decatur street. On the outside, everything looked normal. But on the inside of the home, it was a different story. Tawanika Davis and Anthony Myers bought the house in June of 2017. Tawanika, her daughter Tanasia Barnes, her fiancé Anthony Myers, and their baby boy, Tanasia's stepbrother, all called the house their home. No one knew of the horror that lied inside, until it all came to light on February 11th, 2019. Initially, when we get there, it's kind of a walkthrough and just kind of note things mentally before we start taking pictures and that sort of thing. That's Detective Wrigley. He was one of the officers who responded to the house after a call about an unresponsive toddler, Tanasia Barnes. As I went into the house, I mean, it was noticeably cold, um, colder than it should be in a heated residence at that time of the year and there was a distinct ammonia-type smell. The thermostat inside the house read 45 degrees. The heat was on when I first got there. However, it was 40-some degrees registered on the thermostat. In police interviews, Tawanika, Tanasia's mother, told police she would turn the heat off at night and then back on in the mornings. But keep in mind, this is mid-February, and the temperatures outside ranged from mid-20s to low-30s. Chief Meteorologist Jim Kosick breaks down the temperatures for us. That's typically where you're going to be either at the low temperature or a degree or two off, and because it was 19 degrees, it was likely about 20 at that hour. The thing is, though, uh, at that hour, uh, you're looking at an average of wind of 11 miles per hour gusting into the 20s, so when you factor in feels like temperatures, uh, that would have made it feel like the single digits. A bitter cold. You know, Jim, i got to ask you, done weather for quite some time. We're in the Midwest. Is temperatures like this unexpected or is this something that tends to happen? No, not not at all unexpected. The average uh, high and low uh, that time of the year is 39 and 22. While this most certainly is below average, it's certainly not out of the norm. One of the first things Detective Wrigley noticed was how empty the house was. 
In the main rooms where families normally gather, you would see things like pictures on the walls, blankets, tables, or even a TV. But in this home, nothing. As I was doing my walkthrough, it was almost like there were certain rooms that just seemed like there was no activity whatsoever, like a family room area where you would think there would be high activity. There was a piece of furniture, no television, um, no like anything other than a couch and other than there was like a, a like a high chair that was off in the corner. So it just seemed like certain areas of the house were just unused. Uh, and then you would get to rooms that you could obviously could tell were used, like the kitchen and the, the upstairs. Uh, at least one of the bedrooms. The further Detective Wrigley moved into the house, the more this story unfolded. Filthy, partially eaten food, you know, food containers that were open. Um, there was obvious signs of rodent infestation um, with you know, feces and that sort of thing. In the kitchen, rodent feces were all over the table and the sink was filled to the top with a brown liquid. It was definitely messy, not well maintained or hasn't been maintained in a while. You know, the cabinets were, were white, but they were, you know, had a film on them, uh, almost like a grease type film when you would grab the door to open it up to see what, again, what food products were in there, if there was any. Um, so I would say just abnormally dirty in, in the rooms that were used. The cabinets were practically empty, containing some food items, but mostly empty alcohol bottles and beer cans. When Detective Wrigley walked upstairs, at the end of the hallway was Tanasia's room. Now, it wasn't what you would expect a child's room to look like. It was bare. Her bed had no sheets. There was food and feces on the floor and an empty vodka bottle, which her mother told police she used to give her water. On the opposite end of the upstairs was a different story. In the room where Tanasia's mother slept with her fiance and baby son, a furnished room. In the pictures police took, you can see the bed had blankets and there were two space heaters in the room to keep the three warm at night. While police were investigating the crime scene, Tawanika and Anthony were sent to the Decatur Police Department to answer questions. There, emotions flared. This was audio taken from the Decatur Police Department headquarters right after police told the couple the toddler died. Asia Barnes died February 11, 2019 at 8.06 a.m. at St. Mary's Hospital in Decatur. Doctors reported the child's body's temperature was so low it couldn't be read on a thermometer. The child was found dirty and malnourished and how Tanasia's mother and boyfriend reportedly moved, removed a heater from her room to use in theirs. Her body was turned over to Dr. Scott Denton, a pathologist in McLean County. He performed Tanasia's autopsy. Once those results surfaced, it painted a grim reality of what the two-year-old had endured. 
This is audio from the courtroom. So I observed that she had, she had abundant dirt uh, that was on her skin. It was most prominent within the skin folds, which is her neck, the armpits, the, the growing areas. Um, there was abundant dirt. Um, there was debris um, on her body and her hair. There were pieces of rice uh, in her matted hair. Um, there were pieces of, I would call it floor-type debris, as if a floor is not vacuumed. There would be debris collecting that was on her skin, generally. Tanasia was dirty with food matted in her hair. Dr. Denton says inside her stomach, there was only three teaspoons of noodles at the time of her death. When she died, she only weighed 21 pounds. Just seven months earlier, when she was in foster care, she weighed over 30 pounds. The doctor noticed signs of neglect. Was, there was something called submucosal hemorrhages, um, or, or a term for them can also be, um, can be cold exposure type ulcers. Uh, but they're not really ulcers, they're just bleeding beneath the leg and the stomach. Neglect painted on the outside and inside of her body. During Tanasia's final hours of life, her mother reported the child being very lethargic and even said she noticed her just staring out of her bedroom window. Dr. Denton related this to the child's dehydration and starvation. The, the most common symptoms, a person who's, who's um, starving or dehydrating, or suffering cold exposure is basically lethargy. Um, they basically are just, their systems are shutting down. So they're, they're quiet, um, they're not really crying, um, they're not in any kind of distress. Um, they just kind of fade away um, and go into a coma and die. The doctor labeled Tanasia's cause of death as cold exposure, but environmental neglect, malnourishment, and dehydration all played a factor. Most of us have just dealt with what they call SIDS. You know, where a child just unexplained died. This was clearly, you know, a situation that could have been prevented. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it sticks with you. On that cold day in February, Tanasia's brown eyes glazed over. Her curly hair matted with food in it. Her delicate brown skin stained with dirt. And her bright smile cold. She was malnourished and she froze to death there were clear signs of environmental neglect. We actually met with Nicole here in this room and discussed what we wanted to do, but it doesn't do any good if what we want to do, if they're not gonna follow through with it. So as far as Tawanica, we dealt with her first and got the green light on her. Two days after Tanasia died, Decatur police arrested Tawanica Davis on first degree murder. In police reports, Tawanica took full responsibility for her child's death. She mentioned she hadn't seen Tanasia since she fed her dinner the night before on February 10th. She also said she took the space heater out of the toddler's room and moved it into her bedroom, leaving her daughter with little blankets in a cold room and now no heat source in the dead of winter. The news shook the community. Good evening. Thanks for being with us tonight. A Springfield father is angry over the death of his daughter and distraught. The two-year-old girl found unresponsive in a home in Decatur this week, where she lived with her mother, who is now behind bars. That's when friends, neighbors, and community members gathered outside the home on East North Street, dropping off stuffed animals, candles, and balloons, all mourning and heartbroken. Somebody has to speak for her, even if it's the neighbors, whoever. We all, you know, everybody needs to stand up. It's not right. That sobbing you hear, that's Dartavius Barnes. He's Tanasia's biological father. And at one time, he had custody of his daughter, 
but the Department of Children and Family Services removed Tanasia from his care as well. Our reporter Tristan Hardy was at the house the night many gathered to honor the toddler's life. Karen, it was a freezing night and that didn't stop people from coming out in solidarity. Um, I remember people shedding tears together as if it was their own child. Um, and it got serious when uh, Tanasia's father showed up to the vigil. That's when the whole atmosphere changed. I saw the whole thing and I, I remember him yelling, screaming, banging on the door. I, I specifically remember a light that was on inside the house. And when he started banging on the door, demanding Anthony Myers to come out and face him, that light shut off in the house. Because this was before Anthony was arrested, this vigil happened. So did he ever come out? Did he say anything? What, what was it like with him being there? Anthony Myers never came out of the house. Um, and Dartavius Barnes, he was just surrounded by people who were trying to comfort him. A next-door neighbor thought Anthony's actions were suspicious. I was shocked Juanica was arrested first. I really thought it was something that Anthony had done. And then when we had the vigil and he was yelling out the door at us to leave, and then it wasn't long after that he had been arrested. And as the investigation and interviews went on, investigators knew they wanted to know more about the man who also lived in the house, Tawanika's fiance, Anthony Myers. With Tawanika behind bars, they zeroed in on him. And then uh, Anthony, we did a couple days later, but that did there was some more research involved with that. 11 days after the toddler's death and about a week after Tawanika's arrest, police booked Anthony Myers into the Macon County Jail. He faced the same charge of first-degree murder. Nicole Cronkey was Macon County's assistant state's attorney at the time and remembered speaking with the investigators about the elements that contributed to Tanasia's death. So difficult to read the reports, look at the photographs, and think about the egregious facts in this case. So it was emotionally draining, and it was stressful because this is the first time a case like this has gone to trial in the state of Illinois. Um, based on environmental neglect only, where the state was pursuing a murder charge. So it was new territory for us. So it was stressful and it was very depressing to prosecute it. A mother and now her fiance behind bars. As the case evolved, information about the Department of Children and Family Services involvement with the family surfaced. Many concerns rose and questions started to rise. Next time on Lost Innocence, the Tanisha Barnes story. We knew that the little girl wasn't, was in a foster home. Um, he told us that he was getting her back. DCFS Care, we analyzed the timeline of the department's involvement with Tawanika Davis and Anthony Myers. Every time, every child I had and they go home, I always pray, you know, because it's out of my hands. And later, a response from the state level. And I remember looking up at heaven and thinking, this never ends. This just never ends. We've got to do better than what we're doing. The action lawmakers made after the tragic death of Tanasia Barnes. 
Our next episode will drop on February 25th, 2021 on WAND in depth. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review to tell us what you think. And for the latest news on this case, just head over to WANDTV.com.